The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. All righty then. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, your Halloween edition. I am the worst costume ever, Ace Ventura. It is terrible, but we're going to have fun with it because we bought it and we have nothing else to do. Uh, yeah, so Ace Ventura here with Dave Richard and Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers? R-E-L-A-X. <laughs> I'm trying to R-E-L-A-X, but we got some. I got some fantasy games that are in the balance here on this Sunday night. Um, welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to talk about our big fantasy winners and our big fantasy hey, losers tonight. God. <laughs> Le who? Exactly, exactly. And Dave also challenged me to throw out Jim Carrey quotes. Just none from Ace Ventura. Uh, right. From every I think that movie. would have been funnier. Okay, I can do that from from you know from now on. Uh, Heath wanted to start the show. All right, let's do a little preview of what's coming on uh, the show today. We're going to talk about Calvin Ridley and, and that situation. Very unfortunate. Hope everything's okay with him. I'm glad to see that he's taking the time to get right mentally, and I'm sure everybody supports Calvin Ridley. Uh, we will, of course, go over the big injuries. Jameis Winston leaving with a knee injury. Is it going to be... Taysom Hill time, he was really good as a starter last year. James Robinson left with an injury in the first half, so we'll get into that. Uh, some of the worst performances like the Washington offense, the Chargers offense, what do, we, what do we make of that? And rookie running backs doing their thing like Elijah Mitchell. Uh, I guess not as much Khalil Herbert today, but yeah, everything you need to know. But Heath said we need to start out with the, the stupidest moves we made this week. So Heath, take it away. I don't even know if you guys made any. I think I can cover the three of us. Okay. Um, oh, no, I got off, some. I hedged because I drafted a lot of Dak Prescott, and I still have him locked in as a starter in two different leagues, one of which Dave is the commissioner and has stupid waiver wire settings and wouldn't allow me to pick up Cooper Rush after <laughs> Dak was ruled out because everybody's on waivers always. Um, it's not a Which league is that? The auction league? Auction league, Yes. Mm. Um, I wanted to drop one of my bi-week players and pick up Cooper Rush, which I should be able to, and I can't. So the stupidest move you made this week was really Dave's stupid move as a commissioner. No, that's just number one. Okay. The, number two, and I need to, I don't know who you are. I'm not going to go back and find the tweet because it makes me a little bit nauseous just thinking about it. I told someone to sit Michael Pittman this morning. Now, in fairness, he also had Brandon Cooks and Cole Beasley. And oh. they both scored 20 oh. fantasy points, I think. All right. But Michael Pittman scored 30. That's okay. So. Come on. You, you, that's all right. And then my undefeated podcast league team is going to lose this week because I benched Tyler Lockett for David Johnson. <laughs> See, I don't think that's a stupid move at all. 
I don't think that's stupid. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that I made anything to. You I, know what, I Adam? Brandon Cook. It feels stupid. It feels really stupid. Okay, is that a is that something? Is that a thing? No, no, just <laughs> how I feel. Okay, well, let's talk about the best from Sunday, the biggest winner, Dave. Who's the biggest fantasy winner from Week Eight? The biggest fantasy winner from Week Eight. I don't know if if Pat Fryermuth is the biggest fantasy winner, but I love the fact that he had seven targets again and caught four passes for forty four yards and a touchdown. And then on a week where a lot of tight ends absolutely were miserable and a drain on fantasy rosters, here's somebody that stepped up and looks like he's going to be a significant part of the Steelers' offense moving forward. Brutal week for tight end. In non-PPR, Fryermuth is number one, tied with Brevin Jordan. So a couple of rookies there, but yeah, really bad week for tight ends. Two rookie tight ends at the top of the list and neither one named Kyle Pitts. Yeah, the real... In PPR, it's Hawkinson. Um, by by a yeah. mile, he had ten catches for eighty nine yards, so he had a legitimately good game. Um, Goddard was pretty good, dude, six for seventy two, but yeah, disappointing game. Okay, uh, from from yep. many tight ends, you would take that. Heath, who's the uh, biggest winner in Week Eight? Um, it's Michael. I mean, it's the Jets, really. Jets fans, Jets coaches, Jets players. Um, they finally, after all these years, found their franchise quarterback. <laughs> Mike White becoming the first quarterback to throw for 400 yards in his first start since Cam Newton. Um, yeah. Like quite obviously, this this offense got moving because they got the ball of their best current offensive player. That's Michael Carter. He was absolutely awesome against a very tough run defense, averaged 5.1 yards per carry. Again, led the team in targets with 14 targets, caught nine of them for 95 yards. And the best part is Mike White played so well that this whole silly little Joe Flacco thing that they just burned a draft pick for, for <laughs> just lit it on fire. Now they're going to start Mike White again this week. So Michael Carter's going to get a bunch of targets again. And Ty Johnson, too. I mean, Ty Johnson had, uh, yeah. what did he have, six catches, some five catches? Um, D- Dave started him against me in the uh, in the tankathon, and I started Mike White. I'm gonna I'm gonna win the tankathon <laughs> match. <because of> the <laughs> if, if you're really if you're really taking touchdown pass, and I was all upset, and I saw it was to Ty Johnson who Dave had, and I was excited. Yeah. <laughs> Seventy-one yards and a touchdown receiving for Ty Johnson. If you really wanted to tank, you would have started the Bengals defense. I take full responsibility for that. Oh, no, man. wait. I want to go. I need to go back to this because I almost tweeted it. And I thought there's people on Twitter who maybe don't get what we do. When this whole bonanza thing was going on, you wanted to make it very clear. I am not a sorcerer. Yeah. I, I don't have this type of power. Right. And so now four weeks in a row, you have disagreed with me about a defense. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, I've been right. And your answer <laughs> to that is, well, I must be a sorcerer. It can't be that Heath was right on the defenses. No, I, uh, that's true, actually. But here's the thing: it's not just that. It's not just that I. It's not just that I disagree with you. It's also Dave and Jamie happened to disagree with you very much on all of those. Like they were so high uh, or so low so, on a DST a particular week, and you in, were just in normal this- circumstances. I feel like you would be doing some sort of Azerstat research to discern what was the thing the four defenses all had in common. I don't know. Do you? you? Well, you haven't done the research yet. I just don't understand how like the Bengals have a really good defense <laughs> and they're playing the Jets and I just don't. How did you? Do, and you know what? They gave up five hundred plus yards and they still walked away with a decent DST performance. Um, all right. Anyway, biggest losers. Biggest losers. Heath, give me the biggest loser in Week Eight. Uh, Lehu. 
to hear you got. That that was a good one. Thank you. Um, I think it has to be Antonio Gibson. Um, yeah. It, not just sharing passing down work with JD McKissick, but apparently he's in a committee in the running game and on the shorter end. I I don't know. Like the only thing that makes any sense to me, and we've gotten a lot. This is all speculation, so throw it away if you want to. But we've gotten a lot better. They talk about how they they know when to rest guys in practice because of all the biometric and all the medical information they have now. It seems like they just don't feel like Antonio Gibson can play a full football game with his current injury. He's yeah. been under 45% of the snaps three straight weeks, and this week was a season low, 31%. He had eight carries for 34 yards and three catches for 20 yards, and Jarrett Patterson had 11 carries for 46 yards. McKissick had eight catches. It's no surprise that McKissick had more catches than Gibson. Gibson with three actually is one of the highest marks of his career of his season, but uh, only eight carries to 11 for I Patterson. So, I'm not sure right now what the big difference between Gibson and Devin Singletary is. Right. Except maybe Gibson might get a goal line carry. Right. Well, or Gibson could get it going again later on this year. I think the only way that Singletary really becomes somebody that you'd feel comfortable starting is if Zach Moss were to go away. Right. Uh, I know I'm going to probably forget this. It's not the biggest news of the day, but you see, if you saw Zach Moss, bad you know, bad fantasy game, basically. He did have a decent role in the passing game. He was, once again, the fourth quarter guy. So yep. that's still something, you know, if you need a bi-week replacement or something like that, you could look to. Played all three of their snaps from 10 yards or closer. That could be part of the problem is that Buffalo only had three snaps from 10 yards or closer. Right. Uh, 11 of the 14 snaps on third and fourth downs for Buffalo. 64% of the snaps overall. So another week where he's getting the work that we want and almost expect but the numbers just don't match up. The fantasy production doesn't match up. All right, biggest loser for you, Dave? Let's go with Kenneth Gainwell, who was Mr. Top Waiver Claim this week, the guy that we thought would, well, at the very least, he'd play in passing downs for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he I don't think he played in the first quarter at all. I think he barely played in the first half, and this was a game where you saw Boston Scott get a couple of touchdowns, Jordan Howard got a couple of touchdowns, and you didn't really see Kenneth Gainwell play until the fourth quarter. He had 14 snaps uh, out of 20, I believe he had, in the fourth quarter. So 20 snaps in the game, 14 of them came, fourth quarter blowout. Totally not what we were expecting. Total disappointment. And someone that we're probably going to cut off of our rosters as soon as we can. Boston Scott is 39% rostered. Jordan Howard is 2% rostered. They both had 12 carries, right around 60 yards, two touchdowns. They did it against... A very, very favorable favorable matchup. All four of those rushing touchdowns were from four yards out or closer. It was such an unlucky game for Jalen Hurts, who had his first game with fewer than 20 fantasy points. I think he had 10 fantasy points, but really just weird. They just did not use Gainwell at all. Um, very strange. And uh, yeah, he's definitely a big loser. And for Boston Scott and Jordan Howard, it was like, somebody stop me! Right? Okay. Is it no? Nothing? No? Okay. The it's going to be harder for everybody listening to really <laughs> appreciate this. Like well, Adam's got, it looks like he's got a dead turkey on his head. This is the wig it came with. Like the Hawaiian Ace Ventura shirt on with a white uh, yeah, tee. Just plain white tee. So the thing is, the the costume's actually pretty good, but the pa- the pants and the belt really hold it together and since this is only chest up it just doesn't really work but do you know how happy i was last night when i thought 
you know, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers wore dark jeans or light jeans when he showed up to training camp. And I went and looked online and saw that he wore gym shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> this is the greatest costume ever. Yeah. We, we really took advantage of, of the Halloween. We're, we all wore shorts today. Uh, some of us under our onesies. What did you wear? I was a gingerbread man. I have a gingerbread <laughs> man onesie that uh, I slipped into. Okay. By the way, somebody stopped me is from the mask, I'm pretty sure. That would be the mask. Yes. So I'm doing all right. Okay. Calvin Ridley stepping away from football to focus on his mental well being. Keep him on your roster for now. And and yeah. wait, wait, hold on. I, I hate, you know, it's it's insensitive. Yeah. It's insensitive to just turn it to fantasy football. I already said at the top of the show, I wish him well. I'm glad that he's doing this. Uh, I'm sure throughout the course of football history, there have been plenty of players who have wanted to step away and couldn't. So I'm glad that we have a society where you can do this now. Um, that being said, it is fantasy. So I always have to talk. I, you know, you need to know this information. So I'll just say, I won't even put you guys on the spot. Keep them on your roster. Uh, well, yeah. there's one other thing to say, and that is, first of all, good for him for doing it. I agree with you, Adam. Second of all, Lane Johnson stepped away uh, for mental health issues as well. I believe he was gone for three weeks. So maybe this is a case where Calvin gets the help that he needs. He feels better about himself. He finds himself in a good place, and he's back helping Atlanta um, in the very near future. But for now, keep him on your roster as best as you can. And, uh, and you know, who knows what will happen. Maybe there's some sort of way that the Falcons are going to put him on IR. Right. Um, maybe they're allowed to designate him on IR, and then he's out for three weeks. And if you've got IR spots, you could stash him on there, and that'll help you out a little bit. But. I'm hoping Calvin bounces back from it and that we see him again this year. Derrick Henry got beat up. He left the game very briefly, um, but he had, I think, 26, 27 carries, something like that. And this was only the third game of his career with, well, first of all, he's had more than 25 carries now 17 times in his career. Only the third time he's had fewer than 100 yards. So off day for Derrick Henry, but he wasn't completely healthy. And uh, I, I think he should probably be able to play next week, but... They're going to probably take it easy on him in practice. He's got the Rams. Yeah. Uh, Gronkowski left with back spasms. They're on a bye. Hopefully he's back after that. Disappointing day for him. Mm -hmm. Jameis left with a knee injury. So they get Atlanta next week at Tennessee, at Philadelphia. It's a serious knee injury for him. Taysom Hill was out again with the concussion. If Taysom Hill's the quarterback, and Trevor Simeon played okay, but if Taysom Hill's the quarterback, you know, could this be the guy that... uh, the guy that joins the the group of must-start quarterbacks because he was pretty damn good for fantasy last year in his four starts. I would expect him to basically be what Jalen Hurts has been if he's the quarterback. Um, top eight fantasy quarterback for as long as he starts. And what if his what if his um, opportunity comes right in line with Michael Thomas coming back? Right. And I remember how those two connected last year. Right. And even if not, Traquan Smith had a much better game. I mean, it looked like last week may have just been a shake-the-rust-off game. Traquan looked a lot better today. He did. Okay, James Robinson left with an injury in the first half. Your interest level in Carlos Hyde would be what? If I need a running back who should lead a team in carries, I think this would be someone I'd look at, but I don't feel good about him. He played 74% of the snaps after James Robinson got hurt in the first quarter, including 9 of 15 on third and fourth downs. They play Buffalo next week. Yeah, look, this is not a ringing endorsement for Carlos Hyde of him coming to save your fantasy season. Right. I'd much rather add Boston Scott. Sure. 
Would you rather Unless, have Jordan Howard? Probably. What happens if Robinson, you know, heaven forbid, is out for the year? Yeah, we'll reassess. Does that change your tune? We'll reassess. We'll reassess. Let's not even okay. let's not even think about that. Okay. Uh, T.Y. Hilton left. He was evaluated for a concussion in the fourth quarter. Poor guy. Yeah. And Sam Darnold left in the fourth quarter with a concussion. So poor guy. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad for the Panthers, and we'll see if they make a move. Maybe Deshaun Watson. We shall see. November second, couple days from now, that is the trade deadline. That's Tuesday if you're listening on Monday. So trade deadline is tomorrow. Some spooky, scary performances. Do you want? Should I do that violent scream again? I think you should do a scream. <laughs> Only this. Ah! Oh, I hit the microphone. You know that scene at Ace Ventura where he's like, ah, ah. This is double pane soundproof glass. Okay. All right, thanks. Come on. When are you going to? When are you going to stand up, turn around, and have Mister <laughs> Butt Cheeks talk to the audience? Do you have a mint? So we already talked about the uh, Washington offense with Antonio Gibson. Another bad game, though, for McLaurin. I mean, that is five games for Terry McLaurin with 62 or fewer yards and no touchdowns and four or fewer catches. Still a must-start? Number two receiver. He's a must-start, yeah. All right, and this is now for Justin Herbert, another spooky, scary performance. Justin Herbert with his fourth game out of seven with 16 or fewer fantasy points in six point per passing touchdown leagues. That's pretty shocking. What do you make of that, Dave? The scarier thing is that this is a second straight game where we can't pin it on receivers making mistakes or his team having penalties that cost him right. some some numbers. This is second straight game where defenses, where very smart defenses are showing how to limit him and how to limit this offense. Right, it was Baltimore two weeks ago before the bye, and it was New England. Right. They have Philadelphia. It's especially Minnesota. frustrating that they didn't come out of the bye with anything really special. Heath, are you concerned? Are you concerned about Mike Williams? He was a dud again. That was going to be one of my believe it or nots that uh, the early season Mike Williams was a mirage, and I'm I'm concerned about that. Yeah, I mean we had these guys, Mike Williams, Debo Samuel, really even Cooper Cup. He was on a higher level, but made this huge leap in the first five or six weeks. We shouldn't have expected all of them to keep it up all year. And it kind of looks like Cooper Cup and Debo are going to keep it up. So I'm a little bit concerned that Williams is more of a uh, boom bust number three or number two than we thought. How do you feel about the Chargers schedule after this week? They've got Philadelphia in Philly, Minnesota at home, Pittsburgh at home, and then at Denver. And when they're playing at Denver, the Broncos are going to be coming off of a bye. I don't think this is such a... And then Cincinnati after that, if the Cincinnati defense is uh, better than what we saw today against the Jets. It's not a layup. I mean, it's not a cupcake schedule. No, none of it is. But This I, could I, turn really ugly for the Chargers. Yeah, and he might get Darius... Mike Williams might get Darius Slay next week. And if you're curious, Darius Slay did not shadow TJ Hawkinson today. Uh, I know there was some you know thought that that might happen. Um, what I, uh, Yeah, I think what's... I always like to see like Mike Williams struggling, right? I'd be more worried if Justin Herbert had a great game and Mike Williams didn't do anything because it seems like for the most part, he's tied to Justin Herbert's production. And, you know, as long as Herbert can bounce back, I think that's probably going to be a good thing for Williams. Um, okay. You agree with that premise? It sure won't hurt. Yeah. Agree with that. 
All right, Fantasy Football Today is now on Amazon Alexa Flash Briefings. You can ask Alexa to add CBS Sports Fantasy Football Today to your Alexa Flash Briefing. Time for more winners and losers here. The winners for Dave are Eli Mitchell, T. Higgins, and Pat Fryermuth, who we already talked about. But Mitchell, this is his fourth, third, third 100-yard game in five starts. 18 carries, 137 yards, and a touchdown, but no catches. So <laughs> how much faith do you have in uh, in Eli Mitchell going forward, Dave? He's a must-start fantasy running back moving forward. It is what it is. He's 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 good. He's getting two-thirds of the snaps for the 49ers. They're not messing around by putting Trey Sermon in for a lot of work. Jamichael Hasty is the passing downs guy. They've got Arizona, then the Rams, and then Jacksonville after that. It's not going to be easy. But I think that we could see Elijah Mitchell continue to get the work. I think everybody should be very comfortable starting him and considering him a startable fantasy running back till the season's over. T. Higgins, why was he a winner? Four catches, 97 yards on six targets. He also came a yard short of a touchdown. Yes, he did. Uh, he did something in this game that he hadn't. He didn't do in each of the prior two games, and maybe even longer than that. He was able to separate from coverage. Touchdown, Adam Thielen. I think that we could see T. Higgins um, continue to. He's he's earning the trust now of Joe Burrow in a major way. Last week, fifteen targets. This week, a bunch of downfield throws against the Jets. Uh, I'm I'm a little more encouraged to start T. Higgins than I was before this game and before last game as well. All right. And Heath, your winners are Tyler Lockett and the Jets. You already talked about the Jets, but Tyler Lockett, <laughs> what a ridiculous game. He had a touchdown yeah. reversed, actually. It was spotted down at the like the half-yard line, but 12 catches, 142 yards, 13 targets at Jacksonville after five straight games with fewer than 60 yards and no touchdowns. And they go into the bye. Hopefully they get Russell Wilson back, but your thoughts on Lockett. You know what the best thing was? Tyler Lockett was starting started in 61% of leagues today. That's wildly high. I can't believe that. Like, I did start him, I think, two or three leagues because of what I said earlier in the week. I wasn't going to drop Tyler Lockett. And so okay. if I didn't have somebody on my bench that I could drop for another receiver, then I was just going to start Tyler Lockett. And so I think some people might have been in that situation. They didn't have anybody they wanted to drop for someone to start over him. But it was nice to see that he's still able to play wide receiver at a high level and that Geno Smith knows that he ex exists. And it gives me a little more optimism that when Russ comes back, Lockett can just go back to being the boom-bust number two wide receiver we all hate and love every other week. <laughs> okay. And, yes, really hoping, cross our fingers that Russell Wilson comes back. We will come back and talk to you about the losers I'm not going to say it like Ace Ventura anymore. It's annoying me, so I can't imagine how it's going for you. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about uh, Matt Ryan. He's a loser. Who oh, else yeah. is a loser? David Johnson, three touches. He's a loser. Emmanuel Sanders. Will you hear how many snaps he played? Oh, I'm not looking forward to that. All right, we'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back with our Week 8 Fantasy Losers. Heath, you get to go first. You had Antonio Gibson. Gibson, by the way, he played today uh, in a little place called Aspen. And uh, David Johnson, Heath, is a loser for you. Two carries, one catch against the Rams. He was started in 25% of leagues. He's 66% rostered. Well, no wonder they didn't give Gibson the ball if he was in Aspen. <laughs> the game was yeah. in Denver. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was the closest thing I could do. Um, I, I don't know what happened with David Johnson, really. Did you have a, a number you wanted to tell us about how many snaps he played, Dave? Because it seemed like four was my guess. <laughs> he played 19% of the snaps. It was a season low for him. Uh, half of the Texans' 12 snaps on third and fourth downs. So the passing situations that we had seen him kind of dominating in, uh, that went away. Rex Burkhead played more of those snaps. Some of them they played together. And Burkhead was the lead guy in this Texans backfield, 48% of the snaps. So you probably think, okay, David Johnson was second. He wasn't even second. He was third. Scotty Phillips, 26% of the snaps. Season high for him and coincidentally a season high for Rex Burkhead. Texans just flipped it on its head. They went with two other guys at running back that no one was talking about. I Burkhead think and though, and it did th- them so much. But that good. was no, I, I that think, was garbage I think those time. Snaps are are blowouts. Yeah, that, that, that was a garbage time stuff. I'm I'm pretty sure, especially Burkhead. Uh, his yeah, you know, I I think Johnson. Look, they the final score was like a 16 he point played game into or the something. fourth quarter. He had some fourth quarter work. He did. Yeah, he he did play a little bit in the fourth quarter. Right. Um, I do think there's a little bit, Adam, of what you said. Everything just went wrong even more than normal. Um early for the Texans, but you like I don't I don't know what to make of it moving forward. I'm not going to project Scotty Phillips or Rex Burkhead to lead the Texans in running back snaps ne- next week. And they do play a bad Dolphins run defense. So it's um it's uncomfortable, but you probably just sit him on your bench and hope one of them separates himself. And then Emmanuel Sanders, I I guess it was just a good reminder of what Emmanuel Sanders is. He's not a reliable borderline number two wide receiver. He's a boom bust number three that had boomed more than he'd busted so far this year, but he's going to have busts as well. And Beasley, I think people might say, well, one game without Dawson Knox and look what Cole Beasley did. But I don't really buy that because it's not like Dawson Knox is getting double digit targets. If you look at Beasley... And his game log, and I'm just going to make sure I'm right about this, and you look at Josh Allen and his game log, it's basically been when Josh Allen has thrown the ball a lot, Cole Beasley's had a pretty good game. So Mm. there there have been some, and I didn't really think Allen would have to throw that much today, but he did. The thing is, I don't think the Bills have been very reliable in their number of pass attempts correlating with the um, type of game we expect. Like sometimes they win by 35 and Josh Allen still throws 40 passes. That's true. So it might be hard to predict, but but it is border. It is more or less true. Like going into today's game, Josh Allen had three games with more than 33 pass attempts. And Beasley in those games had eight, 11, and seven catches. 
in the other three games where Allen had 33 or fewer, Beasley had four, two, and one catch is. So uh, so it's been speci- it's been 100% tied to Josh Allen's pass. And how many did Allen throw today? He threw a lot today, right? Allen threw... I was looking at another stat to talk about with Beasley. 42 passes for yeah. Josh Allen. So when, and one for Cole Beasley. Right, yeah, that's true. Incomplete. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to point that out. I know we weren't really talking about that, but uh, I don't know that the connection between Knox and Beasley. I'm not sure if that's true or not. But I don't it, think that's it. No. Yeah, it's the pass attempts have been a bigger indicator. All right, my Dave. guess is that my, in the first half, Beasley had two catches. So obviously, they went into halftime and said, "All right, let's get Cole Beasley a little bit more involved," and it worked for them. In the third quarter, he had eight targets. He caught five of them for 51 yards. And then the fourth quarter, I don't think he did a whole heck of a lot, but he was already very involved in, in the offense in the second half. So this is going to sound really simplistic and kind of dumb, but I'm, I'm good at saying dumb things. When Josh Allen needs to get going, he's he's looking for Cole Beasley. That's kind of his security blanket. And they may have come into the game with a different idea of what they wanted to do offensively. But Allen, I just think he when he realizes, okay, we've got to get moving down the field, Beasley is who he goes to. And it kind of correlates with what you're saying, which is whenever Josh Allen needs to throw a decent amount, Beasley's involved. And yeah. this was a game that I would have told you, I would have told you Josh Allen may not have gotten to 33 pass attempts, but he definitely would have had some good numbers. And it turned out that he needed a lot more than 33 pass attempts. And Beasley was his guy. It was kind of weird that Josh Allen finished with 32 points because this game was really tight going into the fourth quarter. They ended up winning 26-11. It was 10-3 to going into the fourth quarter. Dolphins gave him a game, and then the Bills pulled away. Uh, Dave, your losers. So someone in the chat has actually cursed us out, used a profanity to because we told we told them to start Gamewell. We didn't really, we weren't, you know, Gamewell wasn't a top 20 running back or anything like that. So he was a flex. Yeah. He was a high end flex, uh, especially in PPR. Everyone was wrong about Gamewell. And I'm sorry. Look, it, it stinks. This happens plenty of times. And he's one of your losers. You already talked about him, but safe to drop yep. him 80% rostered. He's droppable. Okay. He's droppable for sure. And Matt Ryan. 90% rostered, 41% started. I'm sure a lot of people like myself sat him after the Ridley news. And yeah, he only scored seven points. Would you drop him or would you hold him? I would I would certainly drop him. Next week, they've got New Orleans. They've got the Cowboys after that, the Patriots after that. Um, maybe you'll feel good about starting Matt Ryan as a bi-week replacement in week 12 against Jacksonville. Someone you could hold on to if Kyler Murray is your main quarterback or if Patrick Mahomes is your main quarterback, because they will be on by that week. But as long as Ridley's out, um, I, I'll go back and look and see what the Panthers did to try and lo- lock down this Falcons offense. But Pitts had a miserable game. Carolina got a good linebacker back in Shaq Thompson, and Stephon Gilmore played, and their pass rush was getting to Matt Ryan. So it was a lot different than what we thought may have ended up happening earlier in the week, and certainly when we ranked Ryan as a, low-end number one fantasy quarterback. I I think, and I don't know, correlation does not always equal causation, but I do think if you look at the games that Shaq Thompson's played, that has been a completely different defense than the game he's he's, 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 they They were awesome early in the year when he was on fire. He missed some time, and they went in the tank. He was back today, and they were good again. Yeah, I I, I have a feeling the matchups are part of that, right? I mean, I know they face like Dallas without, uh, I don't know, without him. But they they had an easy schedule early. But yeah, he's, he's really good. 
Uh, and they did get to Ryan. Three sacks. It seemed like he was under pressure a lot today. And Devontae Smith, man. <sighs> oh. oh, I had to start him over Kadarius Tony. And if Tony doesn't play, I might lose that. You know, yeah. 2.5 PPR points for Devontae Smith. Hasn't had a touchdown since week one. Dropped his first target on the opening drive. Dave, he was 62% started. Are we considering dropping Devontae Smith? I think he's a droppable player at this point. And I hate to say it because he's a talented player, but even in a game where Philadelphia's offense was humming, it's like it, the coaches realize, oh, we can run the ball. We're good at it. Let's keep doing it. And maybe some of that has to do with playing against the Lions. But I'm not going to feel comfortable starting Devontae Smith. I know, but I, I don't want to drop him. I mean, Hurts only, no, Hurts only I, threw 14 passes. You don't think you should drop him? It, all right, so then why is he on the fantasy team? Why is he on your because team? Because Jalen right Hurts is going to throw twice as many passes as he did this week or and more every week. Yeah, he but we've had games passes. where Smith, where that happens, and Smith still doesn't do very well. Because he's a rookie wide receiver, and you don't want to drop Justin Jefferson for Peyton Barber. <laughs> You don't so want are to you do saying that. that Devontae Smith for Boston Scott is going to be the new Justin Jefferson for Peyton Barber? It could be. It could They've be. got the Chargers next week. Do you see Devontae Smith getting 13 PPR points against the Chargers? No. Well, if we dropped every player we didn't yeah. think was going to get 13 PPR points next week, <laughs> we would not be rostering enough players. Okay. Do you think he's going to have three games remaining this year with 13 or more PPR fantasy yes. points? Yes. Okay. He's droppable. And I'm I'm frustrated to say that because I really like him. And Heath, you were talking about your dumb moves in a league I really wanted to win. I started Devontae Smith over Robert Woods. No. Mm. Mm, I don't so think I would have done that. Well, it's yeah. not like Woods had some huge I, like he had the rushing touchdown. He had a couple of touchdowns, touchdowns right. But what, he, he had 40 yards it, or something. It feels like when you miss out on a Robert Woods big game, you're kind of kicking yourself over it because there aren't as many of those as there used to be. Yeah. Well, the, Woods has scored, I want to say, at least 11 PPR. Now, 11 is not good, but he's had, I think, 11 or more PPR points in all but one game. So he rarely... Would you he, mind he, if I, yeah, he if doesn't I give ran a, down the next four games or the next three games for Devontae Smith? Yeah. Chargers at Denver, New Orleans. That's no, not good. It's not good. I don't... <laughs> I don't know if it's particularly good for Jalen Hurts either. I see. I just think next week it's likely the Chargers are going to score a bunch of points against Philadelphia, and so Jalen Hurts is going to throw a bunch. I don't. I, I know they have a bad run defense, and I think early in the game that Philadelphia would rightly try to run the ball against them. But I would expect thirty-five plus attempts from Jalen Hurts next week, which probably means ten, eight to ten targets for Devontae Smith. But he hasn't been that good. Yeah, I mean he hasn't been that good with the targets. That's kind of the issue. Yeah, it's definitely part of the problem. I'm not dropping. I'm not dropping him yet. I I just think there's too much potential. But uh, it's there scary. is those final five games that they have against the Jets, the football team, the Giants, and the Cowboys. Right. The, the Eagles are in the playoff race. As long as you get those five games at the end of the season, yeah. <laughs> until you get to eight losses, you're in it. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I got a segment called "Let's Get It Started" in here. That's a song. Uh, it's the Black Eyed Peas. It's a good song. You should look it up. And I'm going to give you a bunch of players and tell me if you think that week eight was a springboard for their season. Are we getting it started with them in terms of rest of season value? Michael Carter, uh, Taysom Hill, Justin Fields, 31% rostered, 27 fantasy points, the the sickest run of the year, basically. Ridiculous touchdown run. Uh, And 103 rushing yards and a touchdown today. And I'm going to throw in Jamal Agnew in there because he's had three... 
three games in a row with five to six catches. He caught a touchdown today. Michael Carter, Taysom Hill, Justin Fields, Jamal Agnew. Let's get it started in here. Are these guys getting started on a very strong fantasy finish? I think we can say yes to Carter. I wonder if even when Zach Wilson comes back, it'll be an edict from the coaching staff in New York to say, let's get this guy the football in space. Let's check it down a little bit more, Zach Wilson. Don't have big eyes downfield. Um, neutralize that pass rush a little bit. Use your running backs more in the passing game. Because that's the one thing that's really helped Michael Carter. It almost feels like it gets him into a rhythm a little bit more in the game. It's just being involved in the passing game. So I, I say yes. I think that this is absolutely a jumping-off point for Michael Carter to be at least a middle of the pack number two fantasy running back. One hundred percent cheering for Mike White to lead a victory over the Colts next week. One hundred percent cheering for a quarterback controversy in New York in three weeks. <laughs> there will be no God. They are going back to Zach Wilson. Like I want, I want three hundred yards and a win each of the next two weeks for Mike White. Taysom that Hill or Justin perfect. Fields, who has a better chance of winning you your fantasy well, league? Hill. I mean, the problem with the problem with Taysom Hill is we don't know if he's coming back. You know, just because he didn't play this week because he's on the concussion list, it's not as easy to say, oh, well, he's he, he's fine now. This was a second consecutive week. Yeah, sure, right? and with a bye, so. Uh, right, so obviously. It's a long-term the, thing here. Potentially. Well, it has been. It has so, been. Could he be that guy? Yes. Would I take him over Justin Fields? I think I would. Because I really buy into what Taysom Hill did last year. And I can't remember exactly how he was in the preseason, but it really shouldn't matter anyway. The way that the Saints are playing, I think it, it benefits Taysom Hill. You guys worried about Kamara? Because he oh. kind of sucked with Taysom Hill, as I recall. He did. He didn't. He only had a lot of targets in, I think, their last game together. The game they lost at Philadelphia. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it was not good for him at all. Uh, but really, he's running the ball like 20 times a game anyway. Another 19 carries today. All right, Fields. Unfortunately for Fields, look, San Francisco's a good defense, so I guess I can't just use that argument. But his next three games are Pittsburgh by Baltimore. I should say next three weeks for Fields. But encouraging stuff. He's starting to run the ball more. Uh, rushing yards in his last three games, 43, 38, and 103. All right, some news and notes real quick. Justin Jackson left with a quad injury. Jalen Rager left with an ankle injury. Damian Williams' knee. Uh, Kyle Pitts dropped. Khalil Herbert left for a little bit Who? on Sunday, too. Khalil Herbert. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, pretty yeah, briefly. Certainly. He came back, but Ryan Nall was the last running back standing on the Bears' offense for, for a period of time. Kyle Pitts had a bad drop. Dropped about a 20-yard pass. Would have set up first and goal. Chris Boswell. Everybody criticizing Tomlin for that. Uh, Chris Boswell, they're... they're Kicker got hurt on a fake, got crushed, and they could not kick the rest of the game. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, they lost two cornerbacks in the game. I'm not sure if Samuel came back in, but Michael Davis I don't left. think he did. I think it was a concussion for Samuel. Okay, so I think they lost two corners. I'll double check. Maybe so he did get cleared. That's actually a pretty big deal for Devontae Smith, potentially. Uh, Melvin Gordon fumbled for the first time in 207 carries, I think was the stat they gave on the on the broadcast. And that was a huge fumble. It gave the football team a chance to win the game late. I'm trying to watch this highlight here on this Minnesota game. Justin Jefferson just missing a big play. And if you look at the Saints box score, five New Orleans Saints pass catchers had 30 to 38 receiving yards. So that was weird. <laughs> Very evenly distributed. 
but when spreading it, the wealth. Yeah. Samuel did not come back. He was concussed and was ruled out for the Chargers. Uh, yeah. So he probably wanted to come back in the game, and the coaches were like, do not go in there. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right, to the games. Remember when I said R-E-L-A-X? Uh, you didn't. You didn't. Uh, that was fun. That was good. All right, I like that one. I, I, I support it. Jets 34, Cincinnati 31. Heath, what do you got? Well, I think we need to stick with Michael Carter. Uh, believe it or not, Michael Carter is the second best rookie running back rest of the season. Uh, Behind Najee. The other candidates would be Javante Williams. And why am I blanking? Yeah, Trey Sermon. <laughs> yeah, it can't be Trey Sermon. That's it, right? Khalil Herbert. Herbert could be pretty good. Are nah. we missing somebody? No. Mitchell. Well, there's Javante Williams. Oh, yeah, he's a derp. Yeah, Elijah. There's Mitchell. Eli Mitchell. There's um Chuba Hubbard. There's Khalil Herbert. Yeah, right. All these all these bums. I, I'm gonna so I'm gonna say no. I don't believe it because Elijah Mitchell I'm I'm buying into. Yeah. I'm also gonna believe not believe it. I think I would believe it in PPR and I'd take Mitchell in non-PPR, but like Mitchell doesn't well, catch the ball at all. What happens when Zach Wilson comes back? Are are the Jets gonna do what I suggested they do and draw more plays for Carter? Well, I think regardless Wilson play. Regardless, if Michael Carter is playing 70% of the snaps, he's going to be like they were still throwing the ball to their running backs a little bit before. It's just Tevin Coleman was getting a couple targets and Ty Johnson was getting even more than Carter was. Right. So what happens when Tevin Coleman gets healthy, Zach Wilson gets healthy? I don't think they're going back to a bigger split away from Michael Carter after what he's done. That would that wouldn't make I any would sense. hope not. Okay. Uh, anything else? Yeah, there's gotta be something else from this game. So Burrow is Joe, Joe Burrow, uh, superstar. <laughs> He's scored 25 or more fantasy points in four of his last five games. Is, is he just fantasy elite right now? He's up there for sure. Okay. I don't really know if there's anything else you could, you could say about it. Any interest in Tyler Boyd now, or is it, you know, would you be, have the guts to drop Tyler Boyd if you needed someone after a five catch, 69 yard, one touchdown game? Yeah. I would, because we know that he's not going to do this every week. He tends to only show up in games where the Bengals are, you know, frenetically competing or playing from behind. There haven't been a ton of those games this year where he's been there. In any other game where they're not frenetically playing from behind, he's been a non-factor. So, I mean, this isn't to say that Cincinnati is going to, you know, have a bunch of cakewalks the rest of the year. But I, I can't imagine that he's going to be um, the biggest fantasy point getter in this passing game many more times the rest of this year. Not when Jamar Chase is around, not when T. Higgins has a chance to make some plays downfield or get 15 targets in a game. I, I if, if I'm loaded at wide receiver and I need to make room for somebody off the waiver wire, Boyd is droppable. He's not as droppable as some of the other players that we're going to talk about, but he's he could be. Would you drop Tyler Boyd for Jamison Crowder? I don't know. That feels like a lateral move. Because okay. Crowder, what did Crowder have? Nine targets and eight catches and yep. a two-point conversion and like 10 yards per catch, something like that. He's just as likely to come up next week with three catches for 25 yards. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put my headphones on because I 
I'm having trouble with the earpiece here. So if I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. Okay. I uh, can't hear you guys, but let's go to our next game, which is Philadelphia 44 and Detroit 6. Heath, believe it or not. This one is a weird game for, believe it or not, we already talked about Gainwell. We talked about Devontae Smith. I don't know if there's anything to say about DeAndre Swift. It was a crappy game. Um, believe it or not, TJ Hawkinson is going to be better than Kyle Pitts in PPR rest of the season. I don't want to believe no it. No way. I don't want to believe it. You don't believe that, Heath. I asked you. I said believe I it I don't or believe not. it. I don't believe it at all. No, but it's really nice. It's really nice to see that Hawkinson's still capable of having these types of games. Mm-hmm. I know it's not going to happen every week, but well, but I also think it was a reminder this week that Pitts is still capable of having those kinds of games. Yeah, it, it was pretty nope. surprising. Um, uh, yeah. So does anybody believe that that Hawkinson will be better than Pitts? No, I think in full PPR it's basically a coin flip. But I'd really? probably take Pitts. Why? I feel. Would you have said that a uh, a day ago? Well. I got maybe fooled a little bit by two incredible Kyle Pitts games of thinking, oh, he arrived. And now he's just going to be this guy. But everybody has it. Yeah. All right. So are you further, are you closer to he arrived or he's going to be a tight end in this fantasy sense? I am closer to he's TJ Hawkinson than. He's Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey. I don't know if I know what that means. I know. Well, I think Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey are part of the elite tier of tight end that Waller is still a part of, and Kittle might be when he gets back. I'm not sure the Pitts is or Hawkinson. No, I never. They're in that same group right behind them, and I would say that Pitts still has more upside than Hawkinson does. Well, a day ago, nobody was taking Pitts over Hawkinson. I'm not. This isn't a criticism. I'm just saying perception wise. Ago. Yesterday, oh, right. everybody was taking Pitts over Hawkinson. And like right. 15 right. days ago, everyone was taking Hawkinson over Pitts. Yeah, yeah. So it is frustrating. I, I kind of thought that Ridley absence would benefit Pitts because it certainly did against yeah. the Jets, Same. but it didn't today. Um, it's not really fair. It did against the Jets, and that's the Jets. It's not really fair against a, an average NFL defense to expect – a rookie with five games to be able to succeed when Russell Gage is the second best option in the passing game. Uh, not today. Russell Gage didn't have a target. Tajay Sharp. And yeah. okay, Tajay. Dallas Goddard. Let's factor him into this equation too. He had uh, seven targets and Jalen Hurts threw 14 passes. <laughs> this was the first game with more than five targets, I think, for Goddard. Maybe more than six. I don't know. But it was season high. So, I mean, he's obviously a must start, right? He's a must start. Uh, I like his matchup next week against the Chargers. It should be better for him than it will be for the wide receivers. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's – is it wrong to say that he could be the number one target for Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia and not Devontae Smith and not – It could be. Jalen Rager, provided that Rager's healthy, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I think they really like Dallas Goddard. Yeah, could be. Uh, yeah. Can we stop with Amonra St. Brown and Khalif Raymond? Can we just stop? Oh, my God. I had to double check to see if Khalif Raymond even played a lot this week. He did. did but one measly target. How, well, that's what I was wondering. Adam made the point that Darius Slay was not on Dallas Goddard. Was he on Khalif Raymond a lot? I doubt it. I, I well, he guarded go somebody. <laughs> yeah, I think, they, I think he was in zone. And 
probably stayed at or stayed at left cornerback. I don't think he does. Raymond play out of the slot. Well, he does. Amon Ross and Brown plays out of the slot a lot, doesn't he? I f- I figured they moving around, but I think would. he's been more slot dominant than. I really don't think she, I'd be surprised. I don't think he followed him. I'm wondering uh-huh. if they just ended up in the same place a lot. Maybe. I don't think he said, I'm going to follow Khalif Raymond. Maybe. I, I don't know. In I don't know the eight, answer. In week eight, Darius Slay played outside almost exclusively three snaps as a box, like inside the box. So he didn't really go in the slot at all. All 43 of the outside snaps were at left corner. Yeah. So he didn't follow anybody. Well, that, where did Raymond That's line up? Pro football focus. Where did Cleve Raymond line up? Today, where did Cleve Raymond mm-hmm. line up? Yeah. If you give me a second, I'll tell you. I could also sing the song Line Up, which was in Ace Ventura. Very underrated Aerosmith song. All right. Dave's going to tell us as he looks this up. We'll check. I got it. Yeah. All right. What do you got? You want an hour or you want to say something? No, go ahead. 15 of 50 snaps in the slot for Khalif Raymond. Mm, but you don't know left or right? Uh, I mean, you really we, more on the right side than the left side. Four in the left. No, no, slot. no, no. Outside, was he lined up across from Darius Slay? Nine, I, I don't know how many times he was lined up across from okay. Darius Slay. Right, well, you, hold you on. Failed. Wait, we can figure it out. Because we know that Darius Slay this played left so cornerback useless. all game long. No, yes. if we know that Darius Slay played left corner, that means that the guy who played at right wide receiver I know that. wide yes. saw him the most. Raymond was there for 15 snaps. Okay. Okay. Carolina 19, Atlanta 13. It feels, feels like we just most we talk talked about Khalif Raymond the rest <laughs> of the thing, year. I hope so. It feels like we just talked about this game, uh, but Carolina 19, Atlanta 13. We're all big dummies for dropping Mike Davis and he needs to be picked back up. I'm not going to believe that because he's still rostered in 86% of leagues. So okay. that so many only dummies. 14% of us are big dummies. I I'd pick him it's up. Like he side. had a monster game, though. He had Six, more touch. He had more. He had more carries, and well, Mike Davis is a better. Many carries as Cordero, and more targets uh, by one. Same catches, Cordero. right? Same amount of catches. Same amount, Same of, amount of catches. He yeah, was involved the rest more. Of the game, I wonder if he would. I wonder if he was involved more because of Ridley not being there. I think that's pretty reasonable. So for Mike Davis, it was nine, nine carries, 44 yards, and five catches for 22 yards. I don't know if you saw the update on Mike Davis. I saw it on Saturday, I believe. I had not seen this quote. Uh, let me go see if I can find it. But they basically were saying that they need to get him more involved. Okay. Falcons sure. So had, while you look for that. I have it. I have um, it. I have but it. that was it? No. He played 64% of the snaps. So I'm a reading little it. uptick from last week. Smith hinted that several of Atlanta's rushes were audibles from called pass plays, which favored Patterson being in the backfield rather than Davis. There was also a point in the game where Davis appeared to limp off the field, but he returned. This is from week seven. He returned Mm -hmm. shortly thereafter, blah, blah, blah. Um, Yeah. Anyway, they said that they were going to get him more work and the reduced volume during week seven was largely a product of the team calling fewer run plays. So if you see Mike Davis, you can get him, but look, it's not again, like he, it's not like he did so well. You know, right. he had 11 fantasy. He had 11 PPR fantasy points. That is basically where he lives almost every week. He has had 11 to 14 PPR fantasy points in six of seven games so far. And also in this game, DJ Moore. Oh, I, I thought this would be a big game for him. He can't have a big game if his quarterbacks are throwing for 150 yards. 
or 129 yards. Well, PJ Walker did credit for 150. PJ Walker did something. I don't know how much he threw for. He had one incomplete pass. Okay, then <laughs> zero. Right. This is what I was trying to say. It's like I love DJ Moore. I wasn't trying to rip the guy, but I'm worried about him fulfilling his potential because this offense is so bad right now. Yeah. I was thinking about calling him a loser because of just how things have been going for him. But I don't know. I, I, I believe in the talent still. I think he's a good talent, just stuck in a bad place. You're going to start him next week. Yeah, you are going to start him. So, okay. Good. Los Angeles 38 and Houston 22. Heath, what should I believe? Oh, Heath left. Okay. We'll get Heath back. You want to believe it or not? Yeah. Believe it or not, Tyler Higby is droppable. Believe it. Although, I would believe it too because they've they've tried so hard to get him in the end zone, and this is the like easiest matchup you could come up with for for a, a tight end and Bupkis. Heath, you heard the end of that. What do you think Dave's believe it or not was? Uh, Tyler Higby is droppable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, damn straight it was. Uh, and do you believe it or not? It could have been tight end versus defense is not helpful. Um, but I don't know if I would believe that either. Um, yeah, I think Tyler Higby is droppable for sure. It's just he's not a spite drop. You've got to have a different tight end that you think might do better this week, and there probably aren't going to be more than one. Well, what about Pat Fryermuth? Uh Yeah, I think I'd rather have Fryermuth. I think I would too. It's tough to turn away, though. Higby is among the NFL leaders in red zone and green zone targets on arguably the best offense in football. So it's not a it's not a huge endorsement for him, but I just want to point that out. I mean, he's getting opportunities he hasn't cashed in. Uh, got, Matthew Stafford is on fire. 30 or more fantasy points in five games. He's just... he's. I, I can't believe how good he is right this year. I mean, I just didn't see this happening quite like this. Um, anything else here, guys? Yeah, Robert Woods. Do you want to talk about him? 35 yards and a touchdown on nine targets. Had a rushing touchdown as well. Still Probably only one high. game. What? Probably a sell high. You think so? You could try. I just don't know if anybody's going to buy it. I, I like that he had nine targets. I think that part's good. But I just don't know if anybody's going to fall over themselves to trade for Robert Woods. Who would you rather have rest of season? Finkel or Einhorn? Also, Robert Woods or Brandon Cooks? Cooks. I'm so tempted to say Cooks. You've got Terod Taylor coming back. Yeah. That's going to be an upgrade in the quality of target. He could get overloaded with targets like Woods was today. Here's a game where Woods got a ton of targets and he didn't get a ton of catches. How often is he going to have nine targets moving forward? They're going to be close in the trade chart. Maybe Woods ends up like a point ahead of, of Cooks, but they're going to be close. Okay. Buffalo 26, Miami 11. Believe it or not, you should just ignore this game and start Jalen Waddle next week. Dave hears the believe it or not. Dave goes to the schedule. Dave sees that Miami's taking Houston. on Houston at home. Dave is excited to start Jalen Waddle next week. <laughs> 12 targets today, right? Yeah. Yep. Four, catches. Target, four catches. Four catches for 29 yards on 12 targets. Yeah. On one hand, yes, it's the Bills. On the other hand, come on, Jalen Waddle, do something with your targets. Catch at least half of them for crying out loud. It's the yards. We don't. We, don't, like we should. I, I just don't think, unless you guys have already seen all 12 targets, 
I don't know how many of those were even catchable. So give the guy a break. He's a rookie wide receiver. Had a the, bad game against the Bills. I'm talking about the whole season. I mean, his yards per target is very low, isn't it? Yeah, his, his yards his, per his target is low. Contextually, based on the types of targets he's got, I'm not sure how low it is. Okay, but he doesn't he doesn't do a ton with his targets. But he he's going to well, be a unless pretty count scoring touchdowns. He's going to be a pretty safe PPR floor guy. Um, but I, do you really view him as a must start? Every, I'm not talking about Houston. I mean, you're going to start me against Houston, but you view him as a must start on a weekly basis. If you have, if you have three wide receivers and he's not playing a t- defense like the Bills, then I think he's a start in PPR every week. Okay, uh, Devontae Parker. Oh, I forgot to put his stats in. Let me go get those because he's, he's been good. Yeah, he well, he's been targeted. I mean, seven or more targets in every game, and he's only played five games, and he's pretty available. So you could do worse. Let's see. Sorry, I should have this. Uh, Devontae Parker had, oh, eight for 85 on 11 targets. Wow. Definitely started David Johnson over him in a league as well. <laughs> a league He's you were not a... tanking in, right? Oh no. His A dot is almost twice that of Jalen Waddles. Waddles. Waddles' A dot is 6.3. Devontae Parker's is 11.9. Uh, yards after catch per reception. That's actually in Waddles' favor at 4.38 yards to 3.04 for Devontae Parker. Explosive catches, they are tied with six. Keep in mind that Waddle has 70 targets this year. Devontae Parker has 43. I know it doesn't really matter because he's going to be a must-start. He's going to be a stud. It's just a matter of like how studly. At what point are we going to no longer consider Stefan Diggs, say, a top-five wide receiver? Now. Okay, top 10? Ish. Okay. Yeah. Debo or Diggs, rest of season? I think we're at that point where we can look at Debo and say, all right, it's for real. He set some kind of record for, I think it was the most receiving yards for a 49ers wide receiver through the first seven games. When you think about the one specific wide receiver in 49ers history, that's incredible. (laughs) This is a funny comment, by the way. Did Adam cut his hair? Uh, this is the most uncomfortable wig ever. I am just struggling right now. I, it, you really, like, really? It comes down to it. I'm asking you right now, Diggs or Debo, rest of season? You're really taking Debo? And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not taking Debo because they could turn to Trey Lance, and that I don't think would be good. Here's the... If, if I really thought that Diggs might be the guy that he was last year, then I think it... Obvi- I would not. But... There was always a risk that last year was career year Stephon Diggs, and he was going to go back to being before career year Stephon Diggs in some regards. And he has seen his yards per game go back to right about where it was in 2019. He's seen his catches per game come back to the range that it was before last year. I just think they have enough weapons now. His volume's not quite the same, and he's not getting the same elite efficiency. But his volume was really good. And this was a season low in targets, I think, at seven. He was on. He was averaging about ten targets per game before this game. And what was Debo Samuel averaging in targets? Not sure. Well, but I, but he's I think got more on the year than than Diggs does. He has more targets. I, yes. With a buy. Oh, they Debo both have a buy. Seventy-two. Stephon Diggs has sixty-six, and he's played one fewer game. No, no, they both had a buy. Did they both? I know yeah. the Niners did. Yeah, 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 Buffalo did. By NATO. You're right. All right, Pittsburgh 15, Cleveland 10. Uh, believe it or not, Chase Claypool is a boom-bust flex. Believe it. Yeah, I'm getting pretty pissed off about this one. 
I'm losing my. I faith. think. Well, I think what's happened, and it, it kind of makes sense. The juju targets; those aren't the type of routes that Chase Claypool generally runs, and so that's that's when we've seen the Fryermuth ex- increase in the offense. He's taking. That's what Tom Spencer yeah. said on FFT this morning. He said that Juju had that or that trust of Ben Roethlisberger, and now Roethlisberger is developing that same trust with Fryermuth. So I I think um, Claypool will have some good games, but you can't feel like I think he's kind of in the Tyler Lockett conversation. And actually, that's one of the guys I think I had Lockett ahead of this week. Um, but you just don't know what you're getting each week. Would you rather have Claypool or Waddle? Waddle. Oh man. Oh, and non PPR, that's an easy one. I'll take Claypool. Full PPR. Yeah, I'm, I think I might still take Claypool. Waddle's probably been better in non PPR as well this year, right? He might have been. He well, might. He's be. played two more games than Claypool, I think. No, I meant per game. Oh, um, I would assume so. Yeah, Claypool only has one touchdown. I mean, that's a big problem here. Roethlisberger, right? This is what he—that's what he did a lot of last year was score. I think Roethlisberger is, is averaging one touchdown pass per game. So <laughs> it's like, I think he's averaging like seven yards per catch. Like he's. He's not challenging downfield that much. It's a byproduct of that offensive line, which still hasn't completely recovered to the point where Roethlisberger can operate a normal NFL offense. Yeah. Okay, let's see. From the Cleveland side, surprisingly bad game from Nick Chubb. Dearness Johnson scored a 10-yard touchdown but only had four carries. (laughs) Beckham, man, one catch. Uh, anything here? I mean, do you feel good about Jarvis Landry? 10 targets, 5 catches, 65 yards. He's 69% rostered. We could pick up Jarvis Landry in some leagues. Uh, I don't know. Do you like Landry going forward? No. If you if you need a receiver that can get you 5 catches per game and give you a safe full PPR floor, he's that that's what he is now. I don't see him breaking back to, you know, a huge year like we saw from him before with Baker Mayfield, but I do think he's the better receiver over Odell. Yeah. Rust Rust Belt Hunter Renfro. Rust Belt Hunter <laughs> Renfro. Good. I love it. Uh Chubb only played 55. It, it, this bears mentioning. Chubb, 55% of the snaps. Dearness Johnson, 31%. Dearness played more on snaps from 10 yards or closer than Chubb did. It was only one more, but the fact that it was even like close to being a split between the two of them makes me nervous about Chubb. Does that make you think that he's not fully healthy? Probably that more than it's probably like 75% that 25%. Well, we can't just let Dearness Johnson, you know, die on the vine on the bench. Sure. But at the end of the day, Chubb had 16 carries and Johnson had four and he only played. I mean, he never has played more than 57% of the snaps. No, uh, Johnson was basically in the Kareem Hunt role. 10 of 12 snaps of third and fourth downs for the Browns. Okay. All right, then let's go to San Francisco 33 and Chicago 22. Believe it or not, Justin Fields needs to be stashed everywhere again. Not believing it. There's only one reason I don't believe it. I do think that he has a chance to have a spectacular finish to the year. But Pittsburgh by Baltimore means that you're probably going to have another chance to add him in the next couple of weeks. This is probably not your last chance. You get past that Pittsburgh by Baltimore situation and with the way, like it wasn't just the run. His Ball placement on the first mm-hmm. touchdown was fantastic, and he had several other throws like that again. I do think he's improving. 
and you get to the later in the year and you go Detroit, Arizona, Green Bay, we'll see what their defense is like at that point. The Vikings, Seattle, the Giants. I, I think he could have a good finish to the year. Mm-hmm. I really think that's the only thing from this game that that uh, is worth discussing. Because how many how many people still have Allen Robinson on a fantasy roster? Eighty three percent rostered. He did some nice blocking last week. Well, look, you'll you'll know by the next time you get a chance to drop him if he's still on the Bears, <laughs> and if he's still on the Bears, it's time to drop Allen Robinson. Tennessee thirty four, Indianapolis thirty one. Believe it or not, Michael Pittman is a top 20 wide receiver rest of the season. It feels a little high, just like off the cuff. It kind of feels high. Okay. What if you amended to top 24? I would like to leave it at 20. <laughs> <laughs> could I, I'm going to say. Could I name 19 other receivers? Uh, in non PPR, I think I could name 19 other receivers. In full PPR, that could be tougher because TY can't stay healthy, unfortunately. And that means, and even even when Ty was healthy in this game, Pittman was dominating targets. I mean, he was getting end zone targets. I think he had like two end zone targets before he finally caught a touchdown. This sounds like a yes to me. It's it's starting to. That's why I'd be more comfortable saying like full fledged number two fantasy wide receiver and full PPR. Yeah, I could see that. Here's a good one: Brandon Cooks or Michael Pittman. Okay, I think I'd rather go Pittman. I think I would too. And we already put Cooks ahead of Woods, so now we're right. there's two guys off the list. Uh, yeah. How about? See, I don't think so. I think I'm looking at the top twenty now, and I don't think so. I don't think Throw he's gonna... names out there. All right, Cup, Chase, Hill, Debo, Marquise Brown. I mean, obviously, none of those. I'm just guys. you stop me when you get when. I when... would not be surprised in P- like I think he's in the Marquise Brown class in PPR, Devontae which means that Adams... that's more about Brown being closer to a middle of the pack number two receiver than a top 12 receiver. Mm-hmm. Keep Remember, going, when, when I find the names, you know, just somebody stop me. Okay. Devontae oh, Adams, <laughs> Mike Evans, Deandre Hopkins, DK Metcalf, Cordaro Patterson, Mike Williams, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore. I might take him over Mike Williams. I wouldn't, but okay. I don't, I'm not there yet, but you can kind of see it. Like he's turning into what Mike Williams was. Chris Godwin, C.D. Lamb, D.J. Moore, Justin Jefferson. I think he's right there with D.J. Moore. He 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 might be ahead of D.J. Moore. And then you've got guys like Christian Kirk and Antonio Brown oh, and Emmanuel Sanders. And ahead Corbin of all those Sutton. guys. I don't know if he's ahead of Antonio Brown. I guess if Brown's going to be on the shelf for a while, then yes. But we know that when Brown's healthy, he's pretty good. He's yeah. ahead of Emmanuel Sanders. So that's about 16 or 17. And then behind him, you've got Lockett, Amari Cooper, Diggs, Deontay Johnson, and that, and Keenan Allen, uh, AJ Brown. AJ Brown is definitely. So I think you're. So I think yeah, twenty. I think we're somewhere twenty to twenty-four. Okay. What I was trying to get, trying to go. weasel my way into changing that. Believe it or not, this was a really good game. Believe it or not, Carson Wentz threw an interception on purpose to avoid the safety. It kind of looked like he did. If he did, it was, it was a poor choice. Yeah, it was brilliant. Save the game for them uh, for the time being, anyway. <sighs> Anything else here? I think that, I mean, that's pretty much it. Right? AJ Brown is awesome. Tannehill. Tannehill, nice game. 26 fantasy points. Uh, are you going to start him at the Rams next week and then the Saints? Ooh. Probably not. <laughs> what was that? Noise? That's like the, oh, you know, that sound effect? 
No. Uh, all right, moving on. He's, he's going to be like a streaming type. Four games left, guys. Let's do it. Ten minutes. Seattle 31, Jacksonville 7. Believe it or not, sit all the Jags until James Robinson returns. I don't know how confident I would be in starting Jamal Agnew or Dan Arnold. Certainly not Arnold. So it really comes out of like Marvin Jones and Agnew. Yeah, I, I could believe that. I might feel like the one that gives me pause is Arnold, but against Buffalo, I'm not going to start him. So. Yeah, I just, I don't know how good Dan Arnold is. The one but that gives... I, I, all that matters is Jacksonville appears to think he's good. Well, they didn't two games ago because he didn't get a ton of work and good numbers in that game. And that was coming off of a game that was about as good as this one, if not a little bit better. And this one for Dan Arnold was eight catches for eight 68, 68 yards on 10, 10 targets. targets. Yeah. So Lord threw it 54 times. That's like double what he normally gets in terms of passes. Well, I mean, the one that gives me pause is Carlos Hyde because you can't just turn your back on a starting running back. Uh, but, I mean, you can against Buffalo. He had six catches. He had six catches. Remember, this is Seattle. Seattle and the Jets are the two teams that just every pass, every running back catches a ton of passes against. But, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't just ignore it. All right, Alex Collins. I mean, look, it was a disappointing game from Collins, but he had 10 carries, and Rashad Penny had seven carries for seven yards, and most of them... Came four of them came when it was twenty four nothing, so I just don't think Collins is fully healthy. But and they're going into a bye. But as of right now, it's pretty clear he's the number one guy, right? He yep. is, but no, no Seattle running back had even fifty percent of the snaps. Collins was at forty eight, played six of nine snaps from ten yards or closer. Homer continued to work as the third down slash passing downs back for the Seahawks. Penny stinks. New Orleans thirty six, Tampa Bay twenty seven. Um, believe it or not, against the right matchup, Mark Ingram's going to be a good flex again. I do believe that. That's sure. an easy belief because when there's a matchup where you feel like he's got a chance to play near the goal line or you know, at least get 10 or 12 carries, you could look at him as a potential fill-in starter. Like what about against the Falcons? I was kind of believing that the Falcons' run defense was improving. But I think they broke down in the second half against Carolina on Sunday. Maybe you look at Ingram as a touchdown or bust type of running back. He played 28% of the snaps first game back in New Orleans. I also thought it was cool that his number is 14, the opposite of Kamara's 41. So like the whole boom zoom thing is they're 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 loving that. They're in the he, he's apparently not happy about that. They were talking about it on the broadcast. Oh, about wearing 14? He wasn't happy about that? Doesn't necessarily love 14. Yeah, but he couldn't... Whoever had his number... Oh, it was uh, CJ Gardner-Johnson. Yeah. Has his number, and um, and uh, they're not allowed... He offered to give it to Ingram, but you're not allowed to do it once the season starts. By the way, uh, you know who's playing shortstop? Oh, Astros must have just hit a two-run homer. You know who's playing shortstop for the Braves tonight? Um, Alcides Escobar. Dansby Sampsonite. Dansby Samsonite. Uh, some people will get that and laugh. New England 27. Oh, I'm sorry. Is there anything else from this game? No. Tom Brady's ridiculous. And Mike Evans had two catches well, in the whole game. How many fantasy points did he have? He had 12. 12.8. 12 in PPR. Yeah. Wow. No now one got that. Eight in the last nine against the Saints. 12 or fewer. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go yeah. decimal, then it's 13 or fewer. Amazing. 
Uh, no Damn. one got that. That was actually the best joke I made all night. I, and for those of you who got it, you're welcome. You still? Do you guys get it or no? No. No. All right. Come on. Seven minutes. Three games. Uh, new, uh, no, two games. Two games. I just want to make sure. I'm not, I don't want to gloss over anything here. All right. We're good. New England 27, Chargers 24. Uh, Jacoby Myers caught another two-point conversion. If he catches three two-point conversions on the season, can we give him credit for a touchdown? Um, believe it or not, none of the tight ends in this game are more than touchdown-dependent streamers. Oh, for sure, I believe that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Heath, I was kind of mad at you this morning. You didn't do anything, but I was trying to set our lineup at the For the People League, and I wanted to drop Jared Cook for Hunter Henry. Uh-huh. But I looked at your rankings, and you had Cook ranked ahead of Henry. Okay. And I don't even know who won. Cook had two for 25, and Henry had one for 33. That is Oba is basically a draw. <laughs> it's exactly a draw in full PPR. It's half PPR, so it, who wins, Henry? It, half PPR, you've got 3.5 out of Cook and 3.5 out of Henry. Oh. No. scoring. Yeah. Wow. All right. So, yeah, there's that. Keenan Actually, Allen, you only got three back. out of Cook if it's it is decimal scoring. scoring. It is decimal scoring. I'm so exactly three point. Why are we talking about this? I don't even care. Never mind. Well, talk to me about Damian Harris. Twenty three carries, eighty yards, and a touchdown. That's four straight games with a rushing touchdown, I believe. And yeah, I know he's got a lot of downside. And in full PPR, he doesn't have a huge upside, but he's getting the job done. So <laughs> what do you? How do you value Damian Harris? Anytime he's got a matchup that is favorable for the run you can count on the patriots trying to get him going and this game was a perfect example this was an easy start against the chargers we just got done talking about the panthers and how their defense is different with shaq thompson on the field i wonder if that's going to make it a little bit of a tougher start for damian harris next week is it fair to say that damian harris and eli mitchell are doing the spider-man meme from across the country at each other <laughs> kind of. I, I like Finkel as Einhorn. Like, as Einhorn. I feel I feel like Mitchell is on safer ground than Harris. This is a great one. I mean, Man, they both. You, you are one pathetic loser. Sorry, we've got some Jim Carrey. They, quotes um, they both have head coaches who have changed running backs at not a moment's notice, no notice at all. Um, they both have like seventeen other running backs available on the roster at some point this year. Neither one of them does much in the passing game. They're both on mediocre teams, but when they're winning, they get a bunch of carries. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that the Niners are more likely to stick with Mitchell in a bad game script than the Patriots are Harris. Didn't Mitchell just have a nine carry game like two games ago? Yeah, it was against the Cardinals, but that wasn't a bad game script. I don't because that was a close game. I don't they remember. They just the got away from there. running the football. That was a tra- that was the Trey Lance start, I'm pretty sure. Um, what did Ben dress as today? We have a question from the chat. Ben, did you get dressed up today? Uh, an Ohio State fan? Oh, yeah. Well, Ohio I, State assistant coach. That's the worst costume ever. You're still you're still young enough to go trick or treating. You can get out there, buddy. It's only uh nine twenty. All right, uh, last game. Got, Dave brought Reese's for me. I already did oh, my trick or treating. What a guy! What a guy! Okay, uh, last game here. I just, again, I want to make sure I'm not, I don't think we're, yeah, everything's pretty obvious in this game. Denver 17, Washington 10. It was a thriller. 
in Aspen. It was not. <laughs> um, it was exciting. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this game because it was so weird. And only 26 pass attempts for Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know that we necessarily learned very much about the Jerry, Judy, Cortland, Sutton dynamic other than they both had four targets, which was the same number that Noah Fant had and Tim Patrick had three. Um, believe it or not, Melvin Gordon is the best Broncos running back rest of season. Yuck. Can I say who cares? <laughs> Well, well the but each week Melvin they're in Gordon. that do we start them low end number two running back discussion. Like we have to care about them every week. They're never right. must starts and they're never must sits. And I've I've routinely been putting Williams ahead of Gordon, right? Because Williams is more involved in the pass game, or at least he has been this week. He wasn't. Gordon was. Um, Williams, the more explosive running back. You're always looking for that. But Gordon has been steady for them. Caught a touchdown two weeks in a row. Ran for a touchdown in this game. And he's played a considerable more amount of snaps than Williams has in at least the last two games. I know it was like 57-43, something like that in week seven. And in week eight, it was 51-43 in favor of Gordon. So they're giving him the nod right now. This is the running back that you could trade for on the cheap if you're really desperate for a running back. Someone that might be able to get you 10 fantasy points even in a non-PPR. Was that a believe it or a not? I think that means I'm believing. And it's like, how much longer throughout the season? And I don't want to believe it. Is he going to outscore Williams without us believing that I guess, at that point, I guess. But I guess I'd rather have Williams. I feel like there's more upside. If they both stay healthy and keep these roles, it'll probably be Gordon. Um, and there was one other thing from this game. Eh, maybe there wasn't. No, oh no! I know what I was, just, I was going to say. Believe it or not, next week is Javante Williams week. What's <laughs> <laughs> oh, the astronaut meme with the gun? I don't know, Biebs. I always, don't know. Always was. Sure, makes sense. They've got Dallas next week. What a crap game from Noah Fant. Two catches for eight yards, and Albert O came back and had a better game than than Noah Fant. Three catches for thirty four yards. So. That's uh, I think could be. Aaron, a do you really believe that Javante Williams could eventually take over? No, and, like be head and shoulders ahead. <laughs> no, I don't. But it, Melvin Gordon's been on the injury report three or four times this year. I feel so. So if you, Javante, if you had Javante Williams, if you had to put a percentage on it, twenty percent. What's, what's the percentage chance that Melvin Gordon gets hurt? Yeah, that's basically. Well, it. I'm asking Azer. Twenty percent. I don't know. Javante so Williams left this game with an injury. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. There's a, he stepped you, on my job. Like he came back. Um, but he did Williams was hobbled in this game and left right before Gordon scored the touchdown. Oh, so that okay. was the reason why oh that was why Melvin Gordon yeah, had a better game. Well, the other touchdown. I think I think Williams came <laughs> he scored back two. All righty then. I was trying to work in a let me show you something. I couldn't figure anything out. Uh, okay, I'm going to explain the joke to you now. The starting shortstop for the Braves is Danby, Dansby Swanson. I called him Dansby Samsonite because the whole briefcase bit. Have a great night, everybody, or a great day, depending on when you're listening. Hope week eight went well for you. That In the movie, Dave, in Dumb and Dumber, he can't remember the girl's name. It's Swanson. So he looks at the briefcase and he said, oh, maybe it's on the briefcase. He looks at the briefcase. Samsonite. I was well, way with off. Title, with the title on the podcast, you might just want to use Dumb and Dumber for all your jokes. 
<laughs> okay, I'll see you later, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Happy Halloween. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 